Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast. This is episode 18, and today we're going to be talking about the relationship between church and politics. It's going to be a really great conversation, so let's do this. Hey, 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 how's it going? Man, I'm excited to jump into this conversation. We got Shu and Bernard here. How's it going? What's up? Good. Yes, yes. We are back in the basement, a.k.a. the studio, a.k.a. Fobpad Studios. The Fobpad Next Generation Studios. We're going to talk about this topic today because it really is a good time to jump into this. We have had an election this year, so far a provincial election earlier this year, and in just about a week, we're going to have the municipal elections where we're going to be voting on the city councillors here in Toronto. So this is, a, this is a good time for us to kind of talk about these issues. And secondly, we've had our very own Bernard Tam, prolific writer, put up an article on New Leaf talking about this specific topic. How do we engage How should we as the church discern and navigate through the decision of voting and understanding our relationship with politics? And especially as we consider what God's mission is and what God is doing in the world, how he is calling us to be engaged in the world, what does that look like? So, you know, before we jump into the the specifics about things, what is kind of a brief history on Canadian politics? And, And we could use examples from recent elections, but in general, what do you guys think about when you think about Canadian politics? Well, I think Canadian politics is less interesting than the U.S. politics. We don't have big names that come in and kind of cause <laughs> definitely very le- interesting conversations. Definitely less drama. Well, well we have recently. Yeah-ish. It's like, it's like a microcosm <laughs> of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> what I've observed about Canadian politics is that a lot of it is not so much platform driven a lot of it is what the other person's not doing which is like you know like i know it's a, it's a political game like of like mudslinging and blah, blah blah but it's just like sometimes as someone who is wanting to vote i just want to vote on your platform don't tell me what the other guy's not doing <laughs> like i just want you oh, i just want you to tell me what you want to do like what you stand for, right. what you're about, what yeah. your strategy is. Like, like, tell me how you're going to make, you know, like our city, our province, our, our country better. Don't tell me like how the other guy didn't build us a subway. Just just tell me what you want to do. Build a subway. <laughs> <laughs> Shu, what's your take on Canadian politics in general? Well, from a Canadian-Asian perspective, I got to be honest, like when I was young and I could just think about this starting off... I don't I don't think we really cared about politics. <laughs> you know, when we were younger, it was just kinda like you know, even at the family dinner table, we never really talked about my parents didn't get in arguments or arguments with other people about their political leanings or anything. I, I don't know, we just oh, here's this person hanging this thing on the door, you know, the pamphlet. Okay, this goes to the recycling. You know, like it's <laughs> sure. just no talking about it. It's like this guy looks good, we can vote for him. Yeah, yes. just, oh, this girl looks good, we will vote for her. <laughs> I think I can trust this face. This is... <laughs> Look at that beaming smile. That's right. Yeah, That's but, right. But yeah, it's just I don't know. It, it there wasn't much involvement in in that at all. Like to to be honest, and like it's a little different today, I think. But 
back then it, it was it was not that important and now it th- i think it's just with hall of with with technology maybe with all the signage like right, even right outside your door yes you know, there's tons it's right in your face and people are like oh what what is all this all about and does this really matter right yeah i got i think because of the elections coming up there's about 12 names out there that i have to consider who I'm going to be voting for soon. But let me just ask a quick question to follow up on that. At what age did you guys start to think about it or get interested? And why? What do you think sparked that interest? I don't think I'm super interested about it. (laughs) I think it's just part of the civil responsibility. But actually, funny you say that, because we were just talking about one of the counselors that's in your ward. John, yeah, uh, and he was actually the MP when I used to live in Scarborough, and we actually had a class trip to Ottawa and met him at the Capitol Hill, like like literally in the Parliament. Right. I didn't know what he stood for <laughs> or anything about that, but it was kind of cool to meet your MP. Yeah. Right. It's um, not just a name. You're right. actually meeting a person. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, though, like I became a nerd and started listening to talk radio. Probably when I started university, uh, which is one one of those funny things. Like I grew up, my dad loved listening to talk radio, and I was like always change the channel to like, you know, like Kiss ninety two five or whatever. And I was like, <laughs> oh, let's listen to pop music and blah blah. And then I was like, oh, I don't like, I don't, I don't know why you love like talk radio. And then I started listening. I was like, oh wow, they give such an interesting perspective to like the social and political issues of the day and that's kind of when i started listening and and even like how you know we have a mayoral election coming up soon like i i've actually heard you know john tory who is our uh, incumbent mayor uh being a host and hearing kind of like what what his heart and vision is right and so that kind of got me thinking about you know the different political parties and issues Mm, nice how about you, Shu? What age and why? I don't know. Peer pressure? Like, <laughs> honestly. Wait, someone peer pressured you no, to think about well, elections and, yeah, you know, and voting? Like, who would have thought people would, you know, grill you on what you... No, okay. Out of it, everything to peer pressure a person about. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. I guess I guess university and, and post-university started thinking about some of that stuff. But even then, it still wasn't that big on the radar. It was mostly like, honestly, at times... and. I don't know. Politics seems like a sleaze game <laughs> at oh. times. So I find that it, there there is this like 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 Bernard's saying at times it's mudslinging. There's just the actual issues don't get put on the table. And this is even like we live in Canada. At times we talk about being all like united and 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 multicultural and, and be tolerant of different perspectives. But when it's election time, mm, you know, we're we're I'll go this out the window okay. a little bit. So. It's hard because people are taking very hard stances on certain things. But I think for us, though, in our area, the also hard part is that the platforms people take are not super all that different at times. But of course, you still have your, you know, a bit of left, a little bit of right. But they still kind of all hold to a little bit of the center. Right. A little bit on things. So would you guys be saying that it's not as polarizing as it is in comparison to our southern neighbors? Well, it's no house of cards. <laughs> maybe it is i don't know whatever oh wow <laughs> different deck of cards different deck of cards different deck of cards that's a very interesting idea issue that you kind of brought up about being more toward the center right at least in practice at least in functionality bringing it back to the how ideas of you know what does a party stand for or what does a leader stand for you know do you guys believe that when a party says we're about this 
And we value this, that they're going to actually do it, that they actually can put it into place and actually do what they have set out to do. Well, no, no political leader or, or party has been able to, you know, do everything that, that their party st- has stood for. Like you hear any kind of group and hear their history. It's just like they implement some things or they forcefully implement some things like in the States. But, you know, like there are things that are happening. But the thing is, like, does it always happen to the completion? Perhaps that's the downfall of democracy, right? Like you have diversity in decision making. You don't have one voice that will force well, what about, sometimes yeah but what about the voice of the leader of a party or the mayor or the city councillor that voice is generally the one that's heard the most and the one that is is making certain decisions right see i think i think my struggle with this is there's so much politicking within politics where although there are certain things that need to be done it's almost like sometimes politicians may save that for election year okay it'll be like it's a strategy yeah but then it's like if it's really for the people then it shouldn't just be like all gonna do it during election year what is the purpose right is it to remain in power or is it actually to to do the good Hmm. big question (laughs) that is a big question so changing gears a little bit what have you guys seen in your experience and your observations what the relationship between church and politics is. What have you guys normally seen in terms of that relationship? And let's frame it in the Canadian-Asian perspective. Which party or government do Asians, Canadian Asians, generally lean towards or support and why? I think for most Asians, like, like I was even saying, like my parents didn't really like talk about that in the beginning, but... I could definitely see my parents' generation, like, they're, they would hold to values that are more conservative, like, from a, not just from a church perspective, from a, from, but from an Asian immigrant perspective, bringing, right, yeah. maybe, you know, subtly influenced by, like, Con- Confucius kind of values and, and, and beliefs and, and that cultural, cultural side, especially from a, being Chinese, it's like, I could see, let, let's stay conservative, let, let's stay, let's make sure, and maybe even, like, you know, some patriarchal things, familial things that are very important. So keep that going. So I, I find that that's, that's what's been happening, at least contextually. And, but yet I also see the next generation, though, the second generation has been shifting in that because whether they've been influenced by not from, you know, uh, Asian or Im- immigrant values on that side, they're looking more towards, they're influenced by school, by their, their parents, by, oh, yeah. not, by, by uh, their friends, by their media, by their coworkers. And the discussions they're having are probably extremely different than what their parents had. So I, I find that, that that's also kind of what's maybe creating some polarization in political leaning in, in the church right. as well. So it's so interesting you bring in the whole generational issue too. About parents and kids and such like that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's huge because the first generation, a lot of things are black and white. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either right or wrong. It's either you do it or you don't do it. But then we're living in a culture where things are so gray. Like, is it really right? Or is it really wrong? Is it? You know, even like the questions of like, you know, like marijuana use is going to be legal, right? But is does, is it still does it does it still make it right, or is it still wrong? Because I'm sure many of our first generation conservative 
parents would still deem it as wrong. Um, but if now the legal system says it's right, how do you kind of work through and discern through, you know, what is right and wrong? And it's it's more muddier, it's more mm. messier. It's not as clean. It's not as simple. That's a very interesting thought, and I wonder how much influence politics and the legal system has in terms of determining morality or understanding right and wrong. Mm. That is a good, very interesting question. Maybe. A good topic for a future podcast. <laughs> yes. So you guys talk a little bit about how, you know, the Canadian Asian perspective has been. Can you guys speak more in terms of the church's relationship? What has it generally looked like? Do churches generally get engaged into this type of conversation, try to lead their congregations in a certain way, even perhaps influencing the congregations to vote for a certain party or lean toward a certain system? Or has it been some of the historical things we've seen where there has been somewhat of a separation between church and state as well? What have you guys seen? I think I've seen all of them. I've seen some churches that have, you know, completely shy away from anything political and just don't want to, like, like living out the separation from church and state. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to be, you know, like super, like, unpolitical. <laughs> but then there, I think I've also seen churches that are very political and emphasize that, like, to be a Christian, you need to vote a certain way, mm. you know, like, and even at our church, like we've, we've wrestled with it at the last election. Like we, you know, one of my co-pastors, he, he hosted a barbecue and we all sat together and we were looking through the platforms and we were discussing both the party, what they stood for, and even the individual who, who uh, represent each party in our riding, just to have this conversation where we can discern together not necessarily like for the best candidate but for like how god may be unfolding his convictions mm -hmm. and how we would be voting in a way that reflects someone or a party that reflects the kingdom values sure you know we're not imposing our views we all probably have you know our political views yeah sure but when you say we are discerning together does that mean that there was a consensus of we're all going to vote in one way or that each person still makes their own decision based on their own convictions? We still encourage each to, to have their individual convictions. Like I think we're, we're just sharing like how we would vote. Some of us are more candid and open about it. Sure. But at the, at the end, too, like we were in different ridings, so we couldn't vote basically the same way anyways. Right. But that's so cool that there's a space to be able to talk about that and to be able to work it out together and for each person to also, you know, make their own decision, right? Like what I really hope to see for churches that we can engage politic without, without politicking. Right. Because I think there needs to be a space where we can engage with the real tangible issues in our mm -hmm. society, which, you know, the political arena, it really, they do. Like, and and I, I believe many of the candidates actually care and has a deep investment in these social and like structural issues in our city, in our province, in our nation. But for the church, it, it isn't to, to inject like our views, but it's like, let's kind of unearth, you know, all the complexity of this and and in a in a discerning way allow the spirit and and christ to to still lead mm -hmm. us in, yeah. in maneuvering through this messiness right 
And I think that adds an added component to how we discern through things, but it also adds a component to how do we have those discussions without antagonizing, without falling into the, the drama or the politicking, as you were saying, that you can be open and honest about discussing where you're at, your convictions, and where you are leaning towards, but doing it in a way where you are listening, there's a mutuality, there's a sense of maybe we can even discern how God is at work through these situations and through things like elections and politics as well. Shu, what does it look like in your context? I know you're at a larger church. Is there space for it or are people even interested? Are people even talking about it? Well, yeah, like I, I see Bernard's, uh, the way that him and his community, def, definitely in a, in a smaller community that you're able to, hey, let, let's talk about these things that we're actually going through in real life together. Mo- most people are around the same area kind of thing. And I find what, what's hard in a larger church is, um, yeah, it's harder to, to get into the politics side because even like in, in a large church too, where you have people coming from all over the place, all over the place, sometimes you, you disassociate yourself from even the place your church is at. Right. Yeah. Like not, not a lot of churches are even in, like they're thinking even a, a parish style ministry, like they're maybe not even impacting their local area because everyone lives everywhere. So I, I could definitely see that, but it's not that my church hasn't encouraged people to just vote. There, there's no swaying on people to a particular side. We just recently had for that election, a time of prayer just for all the candidates, all the parties. And we, you know, put everyone, put everyone up there and just to pray for them and just to, uh, Hey, God have your way in this and, and, you know, bring who you want in in that position, in those positions. So I would like to have those discussions because you're essentially, I guess, when I was thinking about what Bernard's saying, you're discipling people to, to be aware of what's going on in your local community in the government, what the next thing in society is going to be moving towards, and you're helping people become more aware and discerning of what's going on. And that's that's the whole thing. We don't just say, hey, the Bible, and, and that's it. But like, no, 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 what is Jesus saying through his word, and how do we connect that to our everyday lives? What What is that actually going to look like? And I think discussing politics, it's not, it shouldn't be the primary thing, but, you know, that's part of our live livelihood. And when we engage people in our local communities, we 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 should be talking about those things too. People will be talking about that, right? But but I do think sometimes in a large church we're re- so removed from that, so people don't even know how to talk about it together because you're talking about multiple candidates or multiple writings of whatever. You you may not even have the same space to talk about it, so maybe that's why all they can do is talk about platform values. At the end of the day, it's like the point of connection. Like, where is that point of connection? Is it a specific candidate? Like, how do you vote, right? Do you vote because of the party platform? Do you vote for the individuals that are representing in your riding? That's the complexity. Sure. In Canada, it's it's definitely more you're voting for the party, usually more more than the person, right? That's more than more in the states. It's it's way more in terms of that that figure. I'm not saying it's it's not doesn't include that. I just I think for Canadian politics, I've seen a lot more party direction. I think it, it's kind of changing, though. Changing? Okay. Like, even, like, in, in the West, right? Like, in Alberta, when, when they had that historical change where it was no longer a conservative party leading Alberta, but it was, I think it was NDP. 
that was a seismic change because they were like, you know, it's never happened before. Right. Yeah. Right? It's like, a shift. And even like recently in our, in our provincial election, certain areas that were historically liberal, like my neighborhood uh, where I live, like it was historically liberal. It was NDP. So I think like there is a shift, not just in the party, but I think individuals too. I've heard a little bit about like the individuals having like some discussions and whatnot. They right, were canvassing. Yeah. I think people were moved by the individual's hopes and dreams for the neighborhood. <laughs> uh, and I think certain people must sway because like that's a that's a huge change. I'm I'm also thinking Trump effect, but that's that's another thing in terms of just the reaction against the current liberal party. And, you know, and True. in the States, yeah. that, that reaction, that strong right. reaction from them, the Democrats to the Republican right. Party. Like, I could see there's this a reactive culture. For sure. That's happening in politics. Absolutely. Sure. You know, I think governments and, and parties play into that, right? They understand that's the culture. They understand people are going to react to certain things. And so they know how to engage people in that way. Now, whether or not that is the best way to really talk about some of these things and discern... That's another question completely. But let's bring it back to the, the whole idea of voting and such. Should Christians vote? We talked about, you know, how they can vote or what are some of the things they can consider when voting. And I'm bringing this up because recently in the provincial election, there was a lot of talk about declining votes and what kind of statement does that make? So what are some of your thoughts on that? Well, de- declining a vote is a vote in itself. Because you're making a decision at the voting table that you're declining it. Sure. Right? I think it's, it is a responsibility for Christians to vote. I think it's a civil responsibility. It's a right that we've been given. And that in participating in this civil act, we are actually engaging in the issues that will affect our, our communities. Yeah, I definitely think Christians should vote. We're in here. We're not just passing observers. We're involved. And especially if we're talking about, you know, this missional edge of what we're doing, the people we're engaging are, they, like, if if they don't know Christ, if they, if they don't know what's going on, like, I'm not saying everyone's like this, but a lot of them are in, involved in this political arena. And are we going to show them kind of like what Bernard's saying? We're, we're actually informed of what's going on. We are discerning and we actually vote as well for, for our, for our values. And even talking about that declining vote, honestly, I've declined my vote. Mm-hmm. And it's because looking at the political leaders involved, their platform, their values, like I'm not saying I've done that each time, but there's more recently I've done that. And sure. it's because I have no confidence in that. And for me, I'm like, I will use my right. And of course you got some people who are more like, yeah, if you did that, like, oh my goodness, you, you can't do that. You're taking away one for, you know. You've got to strategize. <laughs> but well, it's even, even to the point where you're, you're not. Declining a vote is a vote for someone yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. Well, that was a big thing in the U.S. elections. They were like, yeah. oh, if you decline a vote, it's actually a vote for this person. But like Bernard said, I, I went there to specifically tell you, in a, and I think it's called a protest vote or yeah. something like that, I, to tell you that I'm not down with any of these things that are happening right now. And it doesn't mean I'm not going to vote for someone in the future, you know, but right now this is not, not what it is. And I think that, and that's my right, you know, and I, and I want to make that clear. I, I didn't sit at home to just do nothing. <laughs> right, right, right. I think that was actually called like a, almost like a vote of non-confidence. Yeah, it's like Star Wars Episode One, Chancellor Valorum, no, hello? 
Uh, I'm thinking of the Klingon. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> I don't know. One, two, three is not kosher for me. So. <laughs> yes. So, especially as those who are listening who are in Toronto heading next week, and unless you're listening to this episode after that election, but heading into next week, how should they discern a vote? Then, what are some of the things that you guys can encourage others, listeners? in regards to discerning the vote. And I know, Bernard, you talked a little bit about this in your article about the fivefold gifting, about communal wrestling, attentive to the spirits leading. What would you guys have to say to a person asking you for advice, maybe a member of your congregation, in regards to, how should I think about this? How can I discern how I should vote? I think one of the first things is maybe get to know the, the people you're voting for. You know, like the the people that are uh, running the counselors they're actually really friendly well, at least most of them um, <laughs> and you can get to know them you can call them you can you can see them where they're at the some of them are very active you know they have they're part of many community events and whatnot and just you know firstly get to know the people that you're voting for sure they're not just a name on a on a piece of paper yeah a face right good smile sometimes you don't even get to see the face it's just there's a board <laughs> with their names on it right but they're real people and i think like when you when you get to meet them you, you kind of get a sense you know on the article that i wrote for new leaf uh, i kind of alluded to the fivefold giftings as a way of maybe discerning you know i used the fivefold gifting because like each of the giftings for those who don't know, it's uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, uh, shepherds, and teachers. I think when we look at the different giftings, uh, they're able to bring forth different parts of the political platform that we're voting for. Sure, a unique perspective. Uh, right. And some might actually see, you know, like, well, what about those who are in the margins? You know, what, what, what does voting a certain group reflect on how it affects the structure and blah, blah, blah. So it's, it's like learning to listen from people of different convictions. Right. And then begin to, to inform and shape how we look at how we vote. You know, like, because when we vote, like, we're, like, we, we've talked about it. Like, are we voting for the party? Are we voting for the people? Like, what are we voting for? I think we even talked about, are we voting for the place? Right. right? Yeah. You know, what, what can benefit and, and help a certain place flourish? Right? Yeah. And I think, like, what I would encourage is that don't, don't just talk to one person. Like, have a group to vote to, uh, not vote together. You can have a voting party, too, <laughs> if you want to. I've heard of that. Um. But just really, just, yeah, no, seriously, like they, get, they get together like, and there's, there's like, like a, this, wings and everything. Like and there's like this, vote? like right at the polling station, they have like balloons and like different things just to get people out to vote. That's called oh. voting party. Oh. I thought you meant like an Oscar party where no, you're like, no, no, well, yeah. yeah, let's wait till we hear from CBC. Hey, whichever party has a bouncy castle, that's that's what's going to get my vote right there. <laughs> so my kids can go hang out oh, in the okay. bouncy castle. Like kids can't vote. No, no, they can't vote. <laughs> hey, hey. Bouncy castles are for all ages. Let's not be discriminating here. <laughs> what if there's four bouncy castles? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Shu, anything to add to that? No, that, that's a lot. I, I think the only thing I would add or, or to dive in deeper is just don't vote one one value, one 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 thing. Like, don't be a one platform yeah. thing, right? Like, it, what I find when I talk to people is like, of course, 
you are maybe uh, you you work in a certain job and you're trying to you know you like I know I have friends who run small businesses so they're going to vote for small businesses right and uh, more, that's where more they're platforms. at yeah. yeah other and yeah people are like oh I I work in the government here so I want more benefits for this I, I get people are voting for these things but don't only vote for one thing and especially like if we're to be discerning about what we're doing and we're like okay how how do we see beyond just my view only so that as bernard was saying it's it's like the shifting view. from the hill that i would die on <laughs> to what would kind of unfold the kingdom values mm. a little more yeah that's that's a lot to kind of consider as especially as we're heading into the the elections coming up well and one, and one more thing it's to not put stock in that this will change everything. Yes, the like, savior mentality. Yeah, it's just like I can't believe like like if we buy into it that oh changing the government political landscape will will, will be so much beneficial for the church and for for Christians and for, for Jesus <laughs> and I'm like I don't think this is how Jesus operated. I mean, they could work hand in hand toward certain goals. And I think we've seen this before in in kind of certain how certain things have played out. If a certain leader is really like, they're like, yes, they are the, the God sent savior. But what happens when they don't like it? Oh, that person's the antichrist. That <laughs> right. That's happened before in, in politics. Well, especially in the U S politics, but you know, there's this almost demonizing of a certain leader or a certain person, right. In politics. I mean, it's, it's a question. It's like, well, why, why do we need the church? Are we putting all our eggs on the basket of the, the political arena? Boom, and we're done. No, no, just kidding. That was a really good thought. That was a very good thought. But, but I think like I was saddened after the provincial election that Christians on both sides, like those who were supporting the party that, was, that won, and those who felt like, oh my gosh, like we just voted in the Antichrist kind of thing. <laughs> like, why was it this kind of like extreme of emotions when the reality is, well, Whoever gets voted in, like the church still needs to be that alternative response and engagement. Sure. So say a government that comes in and says like, we're going to abolish all the the support for margins. Like, does that stop the church from caring for the margins? Hmm. Does that not call us to be the greater response and engagement to the issues that maybe the governments aren't dealing with, but it's so deeply rooted in our convictions as Christians and like through the history of the church. Like, I don't think that changes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like, you know, just because like, oh, like now we're pouring more money into subsidized housing. Does that stop the church from still kind of supporting and caring those who, you know, are in need? Yeah. No, it doesn't. We're still, you know, called to respond and to engage in the realities that are around us. Yes. I think there's this idea too. Like, I'm just going to throw a different facet into this as well, but that, any government, any political entity or leader is not bigger than God, right? God is still Lord and sovereign. And if we look through scripture and history, even with the different kings, right? God was still able to use kings, even though if they were evil, to be able to shape Israel in a certain way, whether it be Saul or David or David's sons who went off the rails, <laughs> right? You know, God can still use it for his purposes and for his kingdom. And I think there, there needs to be some of that in, you know, in, in terms of where we put our hopes in. 
and not just completely in political structures. And that's why like, I'm fascinated with some of the idea of the church as a politic, the church as a way of life, where we, we talk about government politics, this way of life that's produced by a certain party or, or, or government group. But the thing is that the church itself is supposed to be the way Jesus' politics are supposed to be lived out. Like Bernard's saying, it's like, we're not just abdicating, not helping the poor because the government's doing it, or, so, or we, we think the government will do it. The church, the people of God, we're part of Jesus' kingdom. And we have a responsibility. And sure, we're, we're, we're living in a specific place. I don't want to say we're living in Babylon, but, you know, like language, <laughs> language like that. But we're living not this future heaven yet, but we're in this heaven that's here, but not yet. We're part of this kingdom of heaven. And we're supposed to be living this out together. And the, king, the church is supposed to be living an alternative politic sure. to what the world is. But yet, like you said, there is some hand-in-hand things that happen here. There is some, how, how are we discerning how that operates together? And I think that's, that's the challenge where we're, we're trying to live out a way of life that Jesus, you know, died and rose again for us too. And I think part of that is living in the reality that we have government and authorities over us. I think Romans 13 pushes that at times and people have misused that right. to no end. But... First is that our, we, we don't pledge allegiance to any nation or, or whatever, even the ones, you know, I'm, I'm Canadian, I'm, I'm going to be a good citizen that way, but my, I pledge allegiance to, to Christ. Sure. So it's, are we going to, as the church, live in that way first, and the other things are secondary as well, and then we also learn how to live, quote-unquote, politically together as a church? I think it's actually, we need to take a step back if we're going, no, 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 let's put all our eggs in the, you know... Canadian politic basket, and that'll fix everything. Or that's not what it's for. It's it's just part of you know living this life as Christ, as followers of Christ. Yeah, yeah, that's a big thought for sure. You know, kind of to wrap up this episode with you know with one final topic. You guys kind of alluded to it through some of the answers you guys have already given and some of the responses. But let's talk a little bit about how should the church be engaged and work and discern in the midst of differences in regards to politics. What happens when, where the church is at in regards to being the people of God, followers of Christ, disagree with what's happening in politics or their stances or their platforms? How can the church engage when there are those differences? Well, I think first you have to show, especially as the church, as, as followers of Christ, what's the differences in terms of that value is maybe is there some uh things we need to be more aware of discerning of and maybe there's some like ideological things that are at play that uh we don't know we're, we're so adhering to a certain perspective that oh wait what does Jesus actually say about that so for example i don't know if i want to push this push this topic but it's like all the parties are okay with abortion for almost all christians we're like no we see the sanctity of life but does that mean, okay, then no party can ever be voted for, no platform can ever be voted for? And I think that's, that's always a touchy thing for people. So you're like, if this is conflicting, but yet all of our parties are, yeah, let, let, let's, let's just be for this and let's not make this an issue kind of thing. So do you just not vote? I think it, it's like, that's something you have to consider and discern. But it's, yeah, it, it's something that I think, like in the States, that's a, very, that's a huge issue. They're like, well, this party says that, so we'll never kind of help. But the thing is that, 
people have the choice in terms of their body and what they're going to do. And what are you going to do when, you know, it's that when the government says, okay, it's it's a very gray and messy area. And I think for Christians, we have to be discerning of things like that. I mean, there's been a gambit of responses as well. You know, some people just grow more afraid or they grow nihilistic or, or defeatist, or they just resign. But there's also some that like, you know, we'll take something like Romans 13 and say, well, the government says so, then we just need to submit. Mm. And that's not really a discerning process, right? That's just really just like saying, well, if they say it's okay, then it's okay for us. But Thus then, saith the government. <laughs> Thus saith the government. That's right. The new uh, son of God. <laughs> sure, sure. You know, we talked a little bit about the whole idea of when we vote, do we just detach? And we're like, we're, we're out we're going to be like the desert fathers and just like, we're out of here <laughs> and go into the desert and have their own kind of community and such. Should we as the church rebel? Wait, so for us Canadians, we'll go to the, the colder parts? <laughs> That's right. Snows. We could just go up north and it just gets colder and colder. You know, we could just have our own commune. It'd be great up there. Here's a question. Should Christians, should Christ followers rebel? Should they be protesting? Should they be working against the system. I mean, I want to hear what you guys think about this. I guess it depends on what you mean by protesting, right? Like there are ways to protest in a non-confrontational, aggressive kind of way. And then there are the super vocal, like I will raise hell because I don't believe in this kind of stuff, right? You know, as we were talking, like it, it kind of reminds me, like in First Peter, like it's, it's writing in, in a time of, high persecution. And yet Peter writes this, you know, for this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And it was actually talking about, you know, what it means to submit to authority. Mm-hmm. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but live living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, then honor the emperor. Fear God and honor the emperor. Okay. And I I think in our response to to decisions that we don't agree with, I think we somehow reflect the fear of God, but we don't do it with honor to the authorities that are over us. Right. It's almost like we had this self-given right as Christians that we should be able to do whatever the heck we want to do. But I I don't I don't think that's kind of how it works are there ways of subversively you know engaging the political issues i think in my article i I reference martin luther king jr in his protest of nonviolence, and i think that that's the kind of posture that we can learn from right in this like this subversive march you know it's just bringing awareness but not in like this aggressive angry kind of way (laughs) although like you know like Different people can 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 spin that differently, but like, w- what are the ways? Like, there's got to be different ways. I'll, I'll take this from like stuff I've learned from from Dave Fitch, where are you in a place long enough and with the people long enough, and especially discerning some of those issues at play that you can actually start to as you're there long enough to listen to and, and, and hear what's going on, you're able to now reflect better and be able to pull out kind of revealed contradictions and antagonisms that are happening. Mm. 
right? Like that, that's a posture that's really hard to take because we always want to push our own agenda or, or uh, like we were saying, mudslinging or decry someone else. Sure. Or even defend ourselves. <clears throat> or even defend ourselves. Yeah. But to be able to at least sit in that, in that humble posture and like let things start to reveal and, and see. And I don't think we're patient enough to do that nowadays. I, I'm, I'm honestly not that patient enough at times. And I think, but to do that, I think is a posture of what Christ does and right. why he even responds to leaders of his day, right? The, the Jewish leaders of his day and just like, well, let me, let me tell you this parable. Let me tell you this other thing. Let me go back to quote Old Testament scripture on, on some of this. And sure. But we need more parables. <laughs> giving people a bigger imagination. All right. It's time for our takeaway box. One thought that you guys would want our listeners to really wrestle with. I think this is very timely. If you guys are listening to this before the election, I guess you guys will have about a week between when this episode comes out and when those elections actually happen. So if you're in that state, hopefully this will be helpful for you guys as well. But a takeout box, what is one thought that would be encouraging or challenging or perhaps even a new perspective? that you would want to add to this conversation, kind of a summary of thoughts. What would that takeout box be like for you guys? I, I think I, I've learned from Bernard, like on that, like something I, I just really would like to do, bring this back to something practical is instead of, you know, we can Google all these things we want, Google the platforms and read all the articles we want, but to actually have discussion with people who live in the area with you, your neighbors, maybe, or maybe even people at your church that you're you're in the same area and that you're like, hey, let's, Let's actually talk about these things openly and be discerning, not just, you know, have like a debate, you know, but to have that, that'd be awesome to do as a church community and just to, you know, not to sway, hey, let's do this to sway people, but like, no, we're, because we want to, you know, be encouraging to one another and see how these, these issues are affecting people nowadays. And that's why we're voting for certain things. I, I hope we can do that with, with a great sense of humility and a great sense of just you know, listening to each other. And I think that's, that's what I would, that's, that's what I came away with just hearing, you know, what Bernard and his community does. I think my takeaway box would be for the church to, to also consider, like we, we hold highly what the government do, you know, they are there to support and, you know, tend to the issues of our, our fair country or province or city. But at the same time, there are gaps. And I think when we recognize that God is inviting the church to work alongside the government, it, it means we are actually putting what we believe out front. Yeah, into practice. Right. And so, like, even if there are gaps and issues that are missing, like, do we value it enough to put you know, uh, where our, our money is worth, you know, like if we say that we value these things and if, if it's missing, like, are we still gonna actually embrace and do it? Or are we just gonna like sit there and write letters that we're upset that it's not being done? Right. And so I, I think that's my challenge for the church, you know, as we, as we come to an election, uh, don't just be like, you know, I'm just gonna subjugate everything for the government to do. <laughs> no, like that God's brought the church to be a part of, you know, like res responding and restoring and bringing the welfare sure. into this, you know, city that we live in. Something we really need to consider as Canadians, like sometimes we're like, oh, we pay taxes. Yeah, the government's going to handle that. And we almost abdicate yeah. some of that responsibility sometimes. 
Right. And not to say we can't work with, with people who are government workers or whatnot for those things, but if we, the church is just, hey, let them handle it. I, I think, like you said, that that's, we need to really watch out for that. I think my takeout box would just be a thought. And I think I'm still wrestling through it, thinking about what does it mean for the church to be in the world, not of it? What does it mean to be a presence and to really be in, embodying Christ as we navigate through these specific issues? The quote that you had used at the very end of your article was this, Rise up, church. Let us be the message of mercy, truth, love, and grace. Let us rise up and demonstrate the tangible kingdom of God. And I think I'm wrestling with what that looks like as we embody that in our cities and in relationship to politics. And so lots to kind of still unpack and to think through, but also to step out in action as well. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening today. Next episode, episode 19, is a very special episode, story of two architects. We're going to be talking about designing buildings and kingdom building. What does that look like? Both of them have moved into full-time ministry. And so what has that journey been like for them? Please remember to rate and subscribe to our podcast because that really helps us get this conversation out. We loved hearing back from so many of you on our Facebook, on Twitter, or by email. It's been great to be engaging with you through different mediums. So please continue to share with us how you are engaging with these topics and with these thoughts and what it looks like in your context as well. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Please let us know how we're doing and if we could be doing things better. We really want to be engaging in this conversation, uh, especially as it pertains to the Canadian Asian context. So once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you will join us on this journey. See ya. Peace.